thinking of brotherly love. Have you ever visited the sixth largest city in the USA? This nickname Philly or the Athens of America. Philadelphia is that city with a population of 1.6 million. This economic and cultural center for the Delaware Valley. The city was founded by William Penn in 1682 and the Declaration of Independence was signed there in 1776. In the 19th century, many Irish people emigrated to Philadelphia. The first American hospital was opened in that city and it has 200 libraries and a vibrant stock exchange. The name of the city means brotherly love. And its motto is from Hebrews 13 verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Philadelphia is the Greek word behind the English words in verse 9 of chapter 4. Brotherly love. Two Greek words are combined. Philio meaning love and Delphi meaning brother. The word Philadelphia was used in Greek literature and in the Greek version of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, only and always of blood relations. And it's only in the New Testament writings that the word Philadelphia was used of spiritual brothers and sisters, Christians in the church of Jesus who have a common heavenly father and are therefore related to each other and love each other not as we love our enemy or our neighbor, but as we love our brother. Brotherly love is a theme of verses 9 to 12 of this chapter. It's one of a number of subjects addressed in chapters 4 and 5 of this letter. No doubt these issues were prompted by the Apostle Paul, Silas and Timothy hearing news from the congregation in Thessalonica. They had to leave the congregation there suddenly. And they longed for news of the progress of that church. And so they hear through Timothy's report of his recent visit there of various issues faced by the congregation. We think of three aspects of brotherly love in these four verses. Firstly, brotherly love it should be present in our lives. Brotherly love should be progressing in our lives. And brotherly love should be practical in our lives. Think first of all of brotherly love present in our lives in verse 9. Read with me verse 9 again. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Paul claims that the new Christians, he was only there for three months. The new Christians in Thessalonica have been taught by God to love each other. He says that he didn't need to teach them. He didn't need to hold a master class, a seminar, 
a series of sermons on the subject. He does not have to spill any ink, write any correspondence, or tap a keyboard because they have another teacher to teach them about brotherly love. A better teacher, a perfect teacher, an infinite teacher. A teacher who knows them truly and fully and is with them constantly. They are taught by God to love one another. This idea that the apostle is propounding here is not a new idea, but it's one that we find in the Old Testament prophecies about the new covenant age. One feature of the new covenant age is that believers will be taught directly by God. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 13 is all your children shall be taught by the Lord and great shall be the peace of your children. If we dissect this claim of the apostle of being taught by God, we discover three ways in which this happens. One way is that we are taught by God the Father to love each other through his commandments. Throughout the Old Testament, God gave commands to his people to love others. For example, in Leviticus 19, verse 18, we read, Love your neighbor as yourself. In the same chapter, we read in verse 34, Love the stranger among you as yourself. Thus, in the Old Testament, God the Father taught his people to love others by means of his commands. God the Son, secondly, has also taught us to love one another. He has taught us by his example. He has laid down his very life for us in his atoning death on the cross and exhorts us to lay down our lives for one another. In the well-known verse in John 13, verse 34, he said, Love one another as I have loved you. The love of Jesus for us is to be both the example and the motivation for us in loving one another. The style of Jesus' love and the degree of Jesus' love is to shape the love that we have for one another. Our brotherly love is not to be niggardly or weak, or poor, but lavish, like the love of Jesus. So we are taught not only by God the Father's precepts, we are taught by God the Son's example to love one another. The context of that statement was the feet washing in John 13. Jesus took on the humble task that others should have performed 
And that is to be the practical nature of our love for one another. It includes those humble tasks, those lowly roles, those actions which are all about giving and not receiving, serving and not being served. But thirdly, we are taught by God the Holy Spirit to love one another. And perhaps this is the main point that has been made in this ninth verse. For the third person of the Godhead is the closest person to this statement. In verse 8 of chapter 4 we read, God gives his Holy Spirit to you. Thus the Holy Spirit is the prominent member of the Godhead in this ninth verse. And so when we read, you yourselves have been taught by God, we are not wrong in thinking this is a reference to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit effects change in us when we are born again. And all parts of our being, our soul, are transformed. We do things differently. We know things differently. And we love new things And one object of our renewed affection is the people of God. As the Holy Spirit indwells us, fills us, and guides us, we are taught by the Holy Spirit to love one another. And this element of being taught to love is crucial for us. Because we can have the commands from God the Father to love one another. But how do we do that in a meaningful way? Not everyone likes us calling round with them at their house. They're private people. So how do you love that type of person? How do we love the children of the church in a safe way? Is praying for them enough? How do we love members of the opposite sex in our congregation in a pure way? We have the command to love one another, but how do we do it? We need the teaching of the Holy Spirit to apply that command in our congregation. We have the example of Jesus in loving us, but how do we contextualize that into Newtonard's congregation. You would be affronted, even angered by the deacon on the door if he insisted on washing your feet next Sabbath morning. So what are the feet washing jobs in Newtonard's? Serving the coffee before and after church is one of them. I've never done that job. Maybe you've never done that job. And perhaps both of us should volunteer to do that job. Taught by God, the Father, the Son, but primarily the Holy Spirit to love one another. This third aspect of being taught by God is so helpful for us. In all areas of our life. There are many decisions. Which we struggle with to make as disciples of Jesus. Buying a new car. We ponder how much to spend. 
the model to purchase, the extras to include. In our hearts as we stand in the showroom, we're wrestling with need and greed. We can pray to the Spirit to guide us in our purchase. Maybe you've been asked out on a date. Maybe you're thinking of asking a Christian girl out on a date. And as you consider your decision, we can pray to God to guide us. Some of you have elderly parents. Oh, they're listening in here. Okay. You wonder how best to love them. Can they stay in their own home? Should we bring them to stay with us? Do they need to go into a nursing home? God the Spirit will teach us how to love them. Taught by God to love one another. Alongside the commands, alongside the example of Jesus, is the inward teaching of the Spirit. And what a comfort this statement is that God the Spirit is working in the hearts of our believing children in our absence for parents. Here the Apostle is writing verse 9. 200 miles away from the city of Thessalonica, but he is comforted by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Though I'm not with you there to guide you, to encourage you, you are being taught by God to love one another. And many of you have believing children or grandchildren who are not here today, some are at university or working and living in other places. Let us trust the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Trust that the Spirit will guide them in their choice of friends and in their use of their free time, just as it was with Joseph in Egypt, Daniel in Babylon, Rahab in Jericho, Esther in Persia, Mary in Nazareth, so it will be with your believing son or grandson or granddaughter. Trust the ministry of the indwelling spirit in them to keep them. The Apostle John made a similar point, didn't he, in his letter when he considered the many false teachers circling the new believers he was writing to. He wrote in 1 John 2 verse 20, But you have an anointing. From the Holy One, and you know all things. Brotherly love should be present in our lives as we are taught by God. Secondly, brotherly love should be progressing in our lives. In verse 10, read with me, verse 10. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. The new believers in Thessalonica had already been making progress in this grace of brotherly love. They had progressed their love by showing it to more and more believers. They had shown love to Paul and Silas and Timothy, the preachers who were there, 
They had shown love to one another, and now they were showing love to other believers in the region of Macedonia in which they lived. Perhaps they had sent financial help to an impoverished congregation in Macedonia. Or maybe they had sent some members to strengthen a weak congregation in their province. Or maybe they had commissioned a mission worker to evangelize an unevangelized district. They already, in the past months since Paul was with them, had been progressing in their love. They lived in an era of severe persecution from Jews and pagans. And they recognized the importance of loving their fellow believers. But the apostle exhorts them in verse 10 to love even more and more. And I wonder if they did. We know from 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1 to 3 that they did expand their love to include Christians in Judea who were suffering in a famine. Listen to the description in 2 Corinthians 8 of their progressing love. The churches of Macedonia, Paul writes there, which includes Thessalonica, gave according to their means and beyond their means, taking part in the relief of the saints. Brotherly love should be progressing in our lives. Thessalonica was a business hub. Profit and wealth was at the center of the lives of many. It lay on the busy Ignatian way trade route, but brotherly love was being shown by the believers there. The deacons of our congregation should consider if we can progress our love. We support the local food bank. We run Nosh and Natter. Are there other ways to love our community? We give money to some mission groups at the end of the year, but are there other groups that we could support and so progress our love of the church of Jesus Christ? As a congregation, we're to have a progressing love. And so should all of us. We should progress our brotherly love as individuals to others. We should progress the ways we show love to each other. Perhaps we bake for one another, give lifts in our car to some, phone each other, speak to each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, forgive each other already. But are there other ways that we could express our brotherly love? And are there people, new people, we could expand our love to? Is there someone in the congregation you've never spoken to or rarely spoken to? Make a point of speaking to them and so progress in our brotherly love. Our love is to be like a seed that is growing in the ways we express it and in the number of people we show it to. And thirdly, brotherly love should be practical in our lives. Read with me verses 11 and 12 of chapter 4. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your own hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. 
In these words, the apostle is addressing a particular group in the church in Thessalonica known as the Atakohai. He describes them in the term used four times in First and Second Thessalonians as the idol. 5.14 is one example. The word was used in the first century of an apprentice. The word atakoi, translated idol, was used of an apprentice playing truant. The lad should have been at his work, but he was absent. And the reference in this section is to some believers who were so excited about Jesus' second coming that they had stopped working. They were out in the marketplace, the bazaars, the shipyards of Thessalonica, debating the second coming of Jesus and living off their Christian brothers and sisters in the congregation. And in this statement, Paul corrects the behavior of the idol Atakoi and says, our brotherly love should be practical. Three practical ways of them expressing brotherly love are mentioned here. One is to aspire to live quietly. The group of idlers have been extreme in their zeal. They have misunderstood and misapplied the second coming of Jesus, but they are to live quietly. The word describes the calm sea after a storm. So these believers, the apostles saying, they need to calm down and live quietly. Secondly, mind your own affairs. Their homes and businesses were being neglected by the Atakoi. Their bills should have been paid by themselves and their families fed with their own money. And thirdly, to work with your own hands. Greeks despised manual work and argued that slaves were for that type of work. Greeks spent their time, many of them, debating philosophy. The Atakoi were acting just like them, despising manual work and talking endlessly, day after day. The apostle addresses them that their brotherly love, it should be practical. Live quietly. Mind your own affairs. Work with your own hands, where you are able to do this physically and mentally. He gives two reasons, doesn't he, in verse 12. Outsiders will see you neglecting your duties and they will despise Christianity if you go on like that. And you will burden your brothers in the church by neglecting to pay your own bills and provide for your own family. And so his point is here, Show your brotherly love to the congregation by not being a parasite. Be dependent on no one, he says. Perhaps this passage is close to the farce instalment. Political parties championing their politics for months, but not ruling the province as they should. We tend to think of love as an emotion, a warm feeling in the pit of our stomach. And while love does affect our body, you remember those days, the butterflies and all? It's principally an action. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. It keeps no record 
of wrongs. We can claim to love people the Atakoi did, but we're to show our love for them. We can claim to love our fellow church members, our parents, our siblings, our spouse, our children, but we're to examine those relationships today and consider how we are showing love to each other in practical ways. Are our actions like the Atakoi burdening others? Do we pull our weight as an elder? Or do we leave much of the tasks to other elders? Do we fulfill our roles as deacons, members, spouses, parents, children? Or do we leave many roles for others to do? Our practical love, our love, our brotherly love, is to be practical. It's the most prominent Christian grace, isn't it? The evidence of a new heart that we love one another. We might not know much of the New Testament. We might not know many of the Psalms. But in our hearts and lives, we should have present, progressing, and practical brotherly love. And that humbles us today, doesn't it? Because while we know this command, we also know we fall short of it. We don't love every brother and sister in this congregation the way we should. We've had wrong thoughts, perhaps said wrong words, perhaps done some wrong deeds to one another within this congregation. And we are humbled and recognize our failure to fulfill this practical, progressive, present brotherly love. Our only hope for salvation and progress is in Jesus, who loved us perfectly, who gave his life in love that we might live loved his 12 disciples with all their foibles and failings, the boisterous Peter, the quiet Andrew, the slow to learn Thomas, the judgmental sons of thunder, James and John. As we feel our lack of present, progressive, practical love, we look to the risen Savior for forgiveness and for strength. That in some way, we would love one another as he has loved us. Just as there is a massive push to replace the diesel vehicles with electric vehicles, the polluted with the clean, so we look to Jesus to replace our flawed love with his pure spirit-enabled brotherly love.